We've all heard the saying, God works in mysterious ways. Such was the case in 1816. There was a little church in Obendorf, Austria. The preacher there, Joseph Moore, had planned a wonderful Christmas Eve service, much like what we would have here uh, each Christmas Eve. He had lined up the music. But early that morning, his organ player, Franz Gruber, came to him and said, Joe, the organ's broke. They had one of the old pump organs, you know. They didn't have electricity back in that day. And the organ was out, and he said, it'll be next week before we ever get it fixed. Joseph, wanting to have a good service that night, was, was saddened. He headed home thinking about what they were going to do. Was it going to be silent that Christmas Eve? Was, was, would they only have the voices of people and not the beautiful organ music? On his way home, he stopped by to visit a young family in the church, a poor young family, who were about to have a baby. In fact, they had the baby while Joseph was at their house. He began to contemplate as he walked home, and he realized that their situation was much like the situation of the birth of Jesus. Poor young family having a child, not having very much means to take care of that child. And things began to flood in his mind as he thought about how it was going to be a silent night at church. And words began to flow, and he began to write down the words. Later that day, he gave the words to his organ player and said, come up with a tune for these words. And that night, as they gathered in that church, thinking it was going to be silence, the organ player pulled out a guitar and began to strum. And they began to sing the beautiful words we all know, the most famous Christmas carol of all, Silent Night, Holy Night. And that song was born. You know, moments like that don't happen all the time, but they come across occasionally when God breaks in and God comes to us and, and brings us uh, in the midst of turmoil a moment of peace. Chuck Swindoll, famous Christian author, calls them serendipitous moments. When the, when the serene dips down into the ordinary mundane trouble of living on this earth. In his book, The Glory of Christmas, Swindoll says, Serendipity, the dip of the serene, that is what is peace and calm and tranquil into the common responsibilities of life. Serendipity occurs when something beautiful breaks into the monotonous and the mundane. A serendipitous life is marked by surprisability and spontaneity. When we lose our capacity for either, he says, we settle into ruts. He goes on to say, God delights in surprising us. He dots our pilgrimage from earth to heaven with amazing serendipities. Be on the lookout. God may well be planning serendipity in your life. You know, so often we just miss the moments that God gives us because we don't pay attention or because we don't expect Him to do anything. We're beginning a series today called Open Your Heart. 
And this is going to be our series through Christmas. Uh, Christmas next week, uh, we'll have the Christmas program the following week, and then we'll have uh, uh, then we'll have the candlelight service, and then Christmas Day this year, we'll be here in church for one service, all gathered together. It's going to be a good season. But I want us to think about how we open up our heart to what God wants to do in our lives and, and what He is doing as we, as we travel through this journey that we call life on our way to, to meet our Maker one day in the glories of God. Of heaven, our series this year is going to be uh, uh, based in the book of Luke. In fact, you might want to go ahead and open your Bibles up to the book of Luke. You know the uh, uh, the author of that book, Luke, was a doctor. He was a traveling companion of the Apostle Paul. Uh, he says in the beginning of his book, he carefully investigated and and sought to bring an orderly account of how the life of Jesus took place. It's interesting to me that he began his story of Jesus with the story of another man. The story of another birth. A man in the Bible whose faith had kind of faded away, and yet the birth of his child ushered in the birth of Jesus Christ. Uh, it's, it's, it's interesting to think about that. So let's go to Luke chapter 1 today. And as we dive into this, we'll begin at verse 5. In that time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah. Notice Zechariah, not Zechariah with an A, but Zechariah with an E, who long who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving the pr as priest before God, he was chosen by Lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for burning incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. But he will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready people, a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? 
I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. I want to stop there and think for a minute. Zechariah had become somewhat skeptical in his faith. You know, Zach may not have recognized it right then, but this is one of those serendipitous moments when, when God reaches down and does something. Zach had been a devout and mature priest. He knew the Scripture. He knew the kids had been born to parents that were on up in years throughout uh, the history of God's people. Isaac and Rebekah, the Scripture says, they were old when they had Jacob and Esau. Elkanah and Hannah, when they had Samuel, who became one of the great prophets, were, were on up in years. And of course, the most famous in all, Abraham and Sarah. Sarah was 90 years old and Abraham was 100 when they had Isaac. This was a holy moment. This was a moment when God had sent an angel, Gabriel, to, to speak to Zeke. Zek. Whatever you want to call it. He should have been thrilled. And what does he ask? Well, how can this be? Well, how can it be? God has done it over and over again. You know, if you, if you really think about this for a moment, you can't help but see the hand of God. Of course, you see the angel there with him. But he was chosen by Lot. Now, that was a way that they, we're not sure how they did that. They had a little cup and they would put some stones in it maybe and roll them out. And if you were closest to the dark colored stone, then you were the one chosen. Or some say maybe they put sticks in there and dumped them out. And, and if this one particular stick pointed to you, you were the guy. We do something like that on the golf course when we're getting ready to tee off. We spin a tee around and throw it on the ground. And if it points to you, you have to tee off first. You get to be the first one to hit the ball in the woods while everybody's watching. But he was chosen. They see it as the hand of God. They prayed and said, Lord, show us your chosen one. And he got to be the one to go into the temple that day. And the angel appeared. You can't help but see the hand of God in that. One of those serendipitous moments when, when suddenly, surprise, and here's Zechariah. Well, I don't know if this can happen. I don't know. This is one of those, you know, the Bible talks about signs and wonders. Sign is usually a miracle, you know. A wonder is when something happens and it, it brings surprise and, and maybe it's in the timing or, or maybe it's in the event and you say, well, I, I suppose this could happen. But you know somehow it's not by chance that it happens. You know, I'd just be tempted to ask Zechariah, can you not see the hand of God working right in front of you? Can you not see the wonder of it? But I wonder, can we become like Zechariah? Can we become like Zechariah? we just kind of go through the motions you know not really sincere in our faith just kind of show up to church <laughs> another day yes yeah, Christmas they're going to sing the same old songs we've been 
singing for the last 200 years, not really into the worship, haphazardly take communion, check out about halfway through the message. Some of you probably ought to wake up now. Maybe we leave here and we don't feel any different than when we came in. Because we really didn't put any effort into the worship. Maybe we're skeptical too. Could God really do anything in my life? Or is it just going to be the same old, same old, day after day? Even Christmas can be mundane. We're so busy, so burdened with all the things we think we have to do. And we miss the joy of it. We could be just like Zechariah. Especially if we leave Christ out of it. Where's the wonder in Christmas without Christ? Just go through customs and rituals and do it over and over again. But I want to tell you something. God was at work. And God worked to restore Zechariah's faith. You know that word restore, does that sound familiar? Because that was our theme this year. That we were going to restore after COVID. We were going to restore our faith and restore our lives and restore our church back to where it was. And we were going to get busy. God told Zechariah through the angel that a son was going to be born. That's a big deal since Zechariah and Elizabeth were on up in years. You know, God's always at work. Even in the troubled times. In James 1, verse 2, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Hear what James is saying? Whenever there's trouble in your life, find joy in it. Look at it and say, God's working. God's going to use this. He's going to use it to mature me, to grow me, somehow to, to change my life for the better. Gabriel spoke, look at verse 19. Then the angel said to him, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words which will come true at their appointed time. You see, God's at work. And the first thing I want you to see here is that he's working, God is working to rekindle Zach's trust. Because it slipped away. He made him unable to speak. I've wondered about that. Zach, Zechariah was a priest. He made his living using his, his mouth, teaching and serving at the temple and talking to people and ministering to people. You ever try to get a minister to shut up? It's, it's sometimes hard. But he shut Zach up. That's not a bad thing. Because Zach had to stop and start thinking. What is God doing? What does God want? 
You know, God may bring you to some trouble just so he can teach you to trust him as he guides you through that trouble. It's one of those wonders, those unexplainable events. And it had a dramatic impact on Zach. Why would Zach doubt? You know, I've I wondered. He's a man of God. He knows the Bible. He knew the story of Abraham and Sarah having a child in their old age. Why would he doubt? The angel was there with the message. Why would he doubt? You look back, God's got a pretty good history of following through on his word when he tells somebody he's going to do something. If it had been me, I don't know, I might have been just like Zach, but I would have been thinking, when the angel's there, that would have been the first sign, and I probably would have said, you chose me to have a, a child? Praise God. God promised to bring the people out of Egypt into the promised land, and, and look at what happened. Most of them, they didn't believe either, and they wound up dying in the desert. A couple of them were faithful, though. And they believed and they made it into that promised land. Now how about Jonah? I love the story of Jonah. God called him to preach in Nineveh and, and Jonah ran away, went the other direction. God said, Jonah, this is what I need you to do. <laughs> Jonah wound up on a sinking ship. You know, if you don't follow God when he calls you, you're going to end up on a sinking ship. And when he got in the water, he wound up being swallowed by a whale. I've been swallowed by that whale before. To get your attention, even the whale didn't like Jonah's taste. He spit him out. But then he was obedient, and his life was changed, and he changed the life of people bringing the message of God. I like the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because they never lost their faith. And Nebuchadnezzar, the king, told them, he said, look, you're going to bow down and worship this idol, this golden idol that I made, and if you don't, we're going to throw you into the fire. And, and they said, if that's what you got to do, do it, but we're going to not worship an idol. We only worship our God. Sure enough, they were thrown into the fire. So hot was the fire, it burned up the men that threw them in. But Nebuchadnezzar looked and he said, Look, they're, they're in there walking around. And there's one with them, a fourth person, that looked like the Son of God. And they all came out. It caused Nebuchadnezzar to turn and, and relent on his making people bow to that idol. Or what about Jesus' disciples? You know, they saw time after time him do amazing things wonders and signs. And yet they're out on the lake with Jesus asleep in the boat and they get scared to death by a storm. And they wake Jesus up and Jesus says, Oh, you of little faith. He calms the storm right before their eyes. Maybe we shouldn't question, you know, Zechariah had a little doubt. People have had doubt before. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. The Apostle Paul is, is writing to the church in Corinth and he talks about a, a terrible event he went through. Verse 8 there, 
We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Paul says, look, this event happened to us so we'd learn how to trust God better. This event was brought to Zechariah so that he would learn, restore his trust, and turn back to God. That silence, even the angel told him that was going to be temporary. It lasted nine months. I think it happened so Zechariah would know God was serious. And he wanted him to trust that God was at work. You know, you'd have to be totally shut off from God not to see God's hand at work. There was a, an attorney, he was, uh, he was headed for court one morning, he was running late, and he, he couldn't be late. The judge would reprimand him severely if he were late. This was a big case, an important case. And so he prayed, Lord, please help me find a parking place right up front in the courthouse. And, and Lord, if you'll do it just this one time, I promise I'll start going to church regular. I promise I'll be on that committee they've called me to be on. I promise you, Lord, I'll be more faithful if you'll let me find this parking place so I won't be late. He opened his eyes. He said, Amen. Opened his eyes. There was a parking place. He said, Never mind, Lord. I found one on my own. And sometimes we just don't see the hand of God. God was working. I'm tempted to ask Zechariah, where's your faith? You know what the word Zechariah means? God remembers. God remembers. He certainly did. He remembered Zechariah's prayer for a child. But look at verse 21. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondered why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home, and after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord had done this for me, she said, in these days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. You see, God was in the process of refocusing Zech's attention. Now, I don't know why, but he did shut Zech's mouth. And there was silence. I guess when you're silent like that, you spend a lot of time contemplating. He shut up the organ in Obendorf, Austria in the St. Nicholas Church so that Joseph Moore could not have the service he had envisioned. God uses silence. He'll use silence in you too if you'll be silent. It focused 
Zeck's attention, it focused Joseph Moore's attention to the pressing matters. There's a, there's a wonder of God that happened. And he got Zeck focused in on this child and he says to him, I want you to raise this child. He's going to be the one that's going to usher in the Messiah. He's going to be the one. Name him John. I don't think we've said it, but this baby that's born will be John the Baptist. Verse 13 tells us, call him John. He'll be a joy and a delight, it says. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. He's going to turn the hearts of many people back to God. And John went out and preached, repent, and turn back to God. He was a preacher. He's going to be the Elijah that the Old Testament scriptures said would come back. Jesus said in Matthew eleven fourteen, if you can accept it, John is the Elijah. In the book of Malachi, there's a prophecy about this. Chapter 4, the last two verses. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. The Jewish people saw that as a messianic prophecy that Elijah would return and would usher in the era of the Messiah, their Christ. And God's telling Zechariah, your son, this son I'm giving you, he's the one. He's going to be that Elijah. That event got the attention of many. It says uh, they realized Zech had seen a, a vision when he came, came out of the temple that day. He'd been in there so long they knew something was going on. And they realized he had seen a vision. And I guess he made hand signs and everything. I'm going to have a baby. It's a wonder of God. If we go over to verses 57, we're going to skip a few verses here because we're going to talk about them in the weeks to come. But in verse 57, when it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, No, he is to be called John. They said to her, There is no one among your relatives who has that name. It was tradition to, to name your kids after somebody in your lineage. They made signs to his father. They realized he couldn't see. Find out what he would like to name the child. And he asked for a writing tablet. And to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, His name is John. It was a great privilege to have your son named after you, but nope, John. Immediately, his mouth was opened and his tongue was set free. And he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe and throughout the hill country of Judea. People were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what is the child going to be? For the Lord's 
hand was with him. When John grew up, we even learned that some people thought he might be the Messiah. He denied that. You see what God did here? He revived Zechariah's worship. He was praising God. He was obedient to the angel. And finally, when he named that son, immediately his mouth was open and his tongue was set free. People everywhere filled with awe. They're spreading this message, this wonder that took place in Jerusalem. He gave, he gave him instructions about the duty of, of John and what he would do. In fact, Zechariah composed a song inspired by God. Verse 67 says, And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. This is known as Zechariah's song. If you have the NIV version, that's a, a subtitle there. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. He has said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies, to enable us to serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. And you, my child, that is John, will become a prophet of the Most High. And you will go before the Lord to prepare the way for Him, to give His people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sin because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. That broke out in song. His worship was revived as this baby comes in to his life. He's going to, this son, this child is going to grow up to be the prophet that would usher in another baby who would be just six months younger, who would be born to Elizabeth's cousin, Mary. You know, you realize all this and you put all this together, you can't help but see the hand of God and you can't help but understand why Zechariah broke out in worship and you can't help but see that his faith was restored. You hear what all he said? That he's going to be the redeemer, he's going to save the people, he's going to bring mercy, he's going to rescue, he's going to enable, he's going to ordain this son to to be the one to usher in the Messiah. Sometimes silence is hard to come by. God may have to bring it on us. Uh, Paul Hampton was out one day shopping with his son, running some errands. It was a busy day, one place to the next, and, and dealing with his little son was made it even more difficult. And all day long, his son just kept chattering. He wouldn't wouldn't shut up. He, he talked and he asked questions. 
You know, Daddy, how, how do we get this? And why does the sun shine? And who put the lines on the road? And you know how kids do. And, and then he said he sang every song he knew, you know, how little kids just can't go. And little boys, they just, when they don't have anything to say, they just make noises. Boom, bang, blowing stuff up. And, and, and it was just, finally he said, Christopher, I'll give you a quarter if you'll just shut up for a little bit. Christopher said, okay. And he sat quietly in the seat. Well, finally, they finished their errands and they went into McDonald's, got their order, and they sat down. And Dad looked at him and said, now, Christopher, sit up straight now. I want you to eat all of your food and, and I want you to chew with your mouth closed and, and I don't want you to, uh, you know, make any trouble while we're here. And Christopher looked up and said, Dad, I'll give you a quarter if you'll just shut up. You know, silence is sometimes hard to come by. So I want to challenge you to take time this Christmas season, some, somewhere, hopefully today or tomorrow, and turn the TV off and put the cell phone up and turn it off and get away from the computer and just be silent. Silence worked greatly for Zechariah. Silence worked for Joseph Moores as the organ went quiet, thwarted his plan. It can work for you. Chapter 1, verse 80, the last verse there. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. And we know the story. John preached and thousands came and repented and were baptized. Here's our connection. Open your heart to God's wonder and find the spiritual restoration this Christmas season. Because God wants to work in our lives, mine and yours. And sometimes He works in mysterious ways but only when you open your heart will you see what God wants to do. You know, this God created the universe. He's all-powerful. Nothing is beyond His power. And He could force you to believe. He could force you to be silent. But no, He allows you the choice. Will you open your heart to the wonder that He wants to do in you? Job 37, 14. Stop! And consider God's wonders. It's a lesson for us all. It begins with silence. So shut everything down and get alone with God. And let Him rekindle your trust. Open your heart. And let Him refocus your attention where He wants you to be this Christmas or maybe into the new year. And let Him revive your worship. Because when you get a glimpse of one of those serendipitous moments when God breaks through, you should break out in song. Remember what Chuck Swindoll said as I quoted earlier. He, God, delights in surprising us. He dots our pilgrimage from earth to heaven with amazing serendipity. Be on the lookout. God may well be planning a serendipity 
in your life. Let's pray. God, there are times when we all need a little spiritual revival. When life seems mundane, maybe we sort of doubt that you're really at work in our lives. It's probably not you that has moved away from us, but us that has moved away or drifted from you. So help us all to find a place of silence and just seek you out and open up our hearts and let you come in so that we may discover the amazing, the wonder, the serendipitous moment that you want to create for us. We lift it up to you today in the strong name of Jesus we pray.